Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I, Charles the Fourth, or is it the Third? Bloody We will supply for the denazification of the Let me put it to you. Just a Yes, if you win by one, you've won. The phone went over the side. It is time to draw I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Hello, I'm Mark Still. Welcome to my podcast, where each week I ask the question, the fuck is going on? The most important job of any British Prime Minister is to be patriotic. And that's why if you're going to meet the Prime Minister of Greece, you have to go, don't you go mentioning no Elgin marbles, don't even talk about them, or I'm off. And Rishi Sunak has to do this more than ever, to look tough and British to the voters he needs to win back in places like Walsall and Doncaster, because voters up there go, them marbles are ours. Every weekend I go down to London, spent there in British Museum, admiring Engel getting marbles for their historical and philosophical value, and that's the way I want to keep it. That's why I'm going on demonstration outside Greek Embassy to sing, you can stick your Aristotle up your arse, because now it matters to me as much as defending our right to keep what we rightfully took. There's no real case for us keeping these things, apart from that we've got them now, so I'm sure we'd be the same if the Greeks unscrewed the dome off St Paul's Cathedral and used it as a giant walk in Athens. We'd go, they've got it now, so it's unfair to talk to them about getting it back. When Lord Elgin took them from the Parthenon originally, he claimed he was swiping them to protect them from the Ottoman Empire, so we were doing them a favour, and that's why we need to keep them now even though the Ottoman Empire hasn't existed for 100 years, because you never know when it's going to come back. And this is how you can get away with burglary. My client insists he took the flat-screen TV from the home of Mrs Prendergast as he was protecting it from the Saxons. One of the ways we looked after them was in 1938 when someone decided they weren't white enough, So we scraped the top from almost the entire collection with wire wool. And the Greeks are lucky that in the 1970s, no one decided to paint red hats on the statues and stick fishing rods in their arms and stick them in a garden next to a pond. But none of this matters because it's all to make Rishi look tough. Like the bloke outside a club going, do you want some? Do you? Do you with your marbles? Well, you can do one, mate, while all the ambassadors are going, just leave it, Rishi. Leave it. Just let, just let it go, mate, will you? He's just not cut out for English nationalist thuggery. Next week, he'll go to Norway and steal a Christmas tree and say he's not giving it back. And they'll say, we give you a Christmas tree every year as a present. And he'll go, yeah, 
well, just make sure that you do. And then he'll arrange to meet the Prime Minister of Peru so he can change his mind at the last minute in case he asks for Paddington back. And at next summer's Euro football tournament, he'll be arrested in a square in Germany for pissing in a fountain with a firework up his arse. And we'll be lamenting the days of Boris Johnson, who at least would have been able to do that and look like he meant it. What the fuck is going on? What the fuck, what the fuck is going on? The situation in Gaza continues to create a great deal of anguish and anxiety, even for people who are just following it on the news, especially for this woman, who I overheard in a cafe. Well, I heard Richard Madeley on Good Morning Britain talking about some sort of war out in Gaza. These poor people were complaining they've lost their homes. Well, I know exactly how they feel. I'm going to lose at least one of my houses, thanks to this bloody divorce settlement. And property prices are falling, so Colin won't give me anything near what it's worth. And he's got plenty of money because he's head of marketing for Pringles across the whole of the Reigate area. The UN should stop wasting its time going on about this ceasefire and force Colin to negotiate a truce. And they talked about the devastation there. Well, if they think that's bad. They haven't seen what Nectarine did to the allotments last week. But she would steal a bulldozer because she's bored, you see. And now she says that she hates me and she wants to live with Colin and Tara. But that's only because they've taken her hostage and they're forcing her to say that. And apparently the whole situation in the Middle East is going to create thousands of refugees. I said to the nanny, well... That means there will be lots of other people after your job. So you better buck up your ideas or I'll replace you with a Palestinian orphan. And she just started swearing at me in Albanian. And I was appalled when I heard what they're doing on the West Bank. Apparently, these settlers are just taking people's houses. They should go through the estate agents so that everyone has a chance to buy them. It's not fair, but that's the trouble with some people. It's just me, me, me. Excuse me. Hello. Do you have any vegetables? All mine have been flattened by a bulldozer. What the fuck is going on? Now, if you've ever tried to work out what the fuck is going on, you know that you depend upon expert advice from a woman with a cough. (laughs) That's me. And that's Maria McCurlin, friend of the show. You've been on him before. Uh, we've got closer and closer to finding out what the fuck is going on, but we're we're not quite there yet. We still need to be pushed over the line. Are yes. you ready to help us? I am. I just want to ask you quickly on vis-a-vis the last show, Mark. I can't yes. remember how long ago it was, probably about a year ago. And I said to you, I suggested to you in a rather gloomy fashion, I think things are getting worse. And you right. said, no, I disagree with that. And I was quite furious mm. about it, but I kept it to myself. <laughs> um, but now I feel I have to say to you, Mark, they are getting worse. Are they? <laughs> I don't think they're getting worse. I think that um well we can come on we can come okay. on to this. They we'll might get worse. What I would would concede is that things might get worse. And there's one big thing in the world that might get worse. I didn't think it was possible, but now I'm not so sure. And that is if a certain person becomes president of America for the second time. Ah. So uh, I'm going to ask you. That could apply to both of them, frankly. (laughs) Yes. But yes, it can. But one worse than the other. Now, do you think that the best person to ensure that Donald Trump doesn't become president for the second time, this time when he is with all the things that happens, it would be worse than the first time. Do you think the best person to put up against him is someone who is barely capable <laughs> of combing up. his own hair? 
I mean, we're laughing. Is that a good idea? <laughs> of course. It's not a good idea. It's a terrible idea. Um, we all had such high hopes for him. And he seems, I mean, look, being president of the United States is not a cakewalk. So, of course, it has aged him uh, 48 times quicker than it would have done somebody who was younger. That's assuming that he's, he's, he's aware that he's president. I mean, Obama obviously got, you know, looked eight years older than he was at the beginning, and he's he's a pretty cool dude. But I, I, there's probably whole chunks of the day when if you asked him what his job was, he would say, oh, shit, I'm late for the warehouse. I was supposed to be stacking the biscuits at Morrison's. <laughs> they make me laugh like Muttley. <laughs> but I'm hoping that Jill, his wife, is kind of keeping a handle on that. I mean, I haven't seen any evidence of that. And also the advisors around him, because really at the moment, Mark, he's being trundled around like a president on wheels and he loses it halfway through a sentence. He doesn't know what he's talking about or who he's talking to. And then he breaks off halfway through a speech about, you know, the Middle East and goes to pet a dog in the front row or a small baby. Well, he's brilliantly, he does brilliantly live up to his stereotype, doesn't he? I, I quite like that, that he, he'll be sort of meeting uh, Emmanuel Macron and, uh, and they're having to go, don't forget to wrap up warm. <laughs> when, you, when you go in front of the Champs-Élysées, Put your scarf on. Your scarf! <laughs> That's funny. Anything to stop the fluffy-haired one getting back in, despite his 140... Would anyone do that? You just want someone who's just... Just someone, because the main reason for not voting Trump is he's a psychopath who's been arrested on a whole load of things, who talks about women grabbing women by the pussy and puts babies in cages and who's going to pay for the war, Mexico's going to pay for the war, and he's mental and he thinks you can cure COVID by drinking bleach, There is, and so on and so on. I mean, I'm quite looking forward to the um, COVID inquiry with Matt Hancock talking of liars, because, you know, we knew at the time that everything was a disaster, but we're hearing in the inquiry... Mm just how much of a total fuck up that was and we kind of knew but now it's written down i feel absolutely impotent and i can't believe that we're just going oh well they yeah, all yeah. lied what do yeah, we do about that if it that? turned out if it turned out that amongst these whatsapp messages the one where boris johnson actually said i am going to uh, march into care homes by myself with a rifle and shoot these stupid old cunts in the head so they don't put more stress on the health service. <laughs> well, and Matt Hancock go, said he would decide who lived and died. I mean, yeah. and then he went into the jungle. Uh, it just, it's like, when I say that things weren't as bad before, they really are bad. Satire is dead now because it's we're living it. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the okay. first person to we'll say to that. Agree. No, we'll have to agree to disagree on that. I think that, uh, but I, I, you make a good case. However, yes. however, you have written a book. Nice segue. That's, <laughs> that's getting better, isn't it? That's <laughs> like fucking madely. Yeah, uh, okay, well, you know, a lot of things going bad in America. And America is very, um, you know, it's a bumpy uh, place. And indeed, you've written a book about, about bumps. <gasps> Excellent. Very madely, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's called Bumps in the Road. It's a memoir. I know it seems ridiculous, doesn't it, that life goes on and people write books and so on and the world burns. But I'm one of those people and it's a memoir about my life, not that anyone particularly cares, um, but using my bicycles as because I've always loved cy by cycling and bicycles. I've right. always had bicycles. And each sort of 
period of my life has been different ones. You know, we never stay the same person and each bicycle kind of, each revolution reflects the evolution, if you like, Mark. It's not the first time I've said mm. that, obviously, of my life. And, um, yeah. Did you have a child? When did you have your first bike? Um, I, well, it was my dad's that he bought off someone in a pub. And, oh, um, I, perf- it, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. And he <laughs> was it, did I, he win I, it over a game of cards? Uh, who knows? Um, I couldn't reach the pedals, obviously. And then I had some stilts, which my dad made me. And then I finally had a growth burst and could reach the pedals, but couldn't sit on the saddle and pedal at the same time. That sort of thing. So that was the first one, yeah. And, and I, I borrowed um, Father O'Leary's bike because I used to be in a thing called the Legion of Mary, Catholic do-gooders, shopping for right. people, babysitting for Catholic families of 20 children, that sort of thing, for nothing. Oh, right, yeah. Um, and in the in vestry one day, in the vestry one day, he said to me, do you want to have a go of my bike? And I said, oh, yeah. And it was an old butcher's bike, really too heavy for me. But I caught my oh, I, can imagine. I caught my plimsoll under the, under the pedal and fell into the... <laughs> <laughs> fell into the crossbar and really hurt my lady garden, um, you know, to the point of blood yeah. and let alone my, and of course I couldn't tell the priest. I couldn't even tell my mum that I'd hurt my lady garden. That's how Catholic I was. And I certainly couldn't tell the priest that I was, you know, I needed to go to hospital. So I limped home. Um, having oh, tried. So what would he have seen it as a, as a yet more example of your original sin? I don't know. Yes. That I was a filthy, filthy and I didn't deserve to live. Because as a Catholic, when I was little, I felt guilty about everything. And so if somebody said to me, yeah, but you killed our Lord, and I would say, oh, yeah, yeah, I did. I did, sorry. <laughs> you know, I could just agree to it because I thought we are bad and it's all my fault. Yeah. And then on top of everything, he's up there, right, and he's going, I am the saviour, I am the light. They weren't bloody grateful. I've tried to forgive them for they knew not what they did. I ended up on a cross having gone back to save them all. And now, look, she's fucking gone on a, a bloody bits on a fucking bike given to her by a priest. Yeah. Loan, it just never stops. You know what Jesus would say? You know what Jesus must say out there? I, kept, I keep telling the angels they won't believe me. It's getting worse every year. <laughs> I created these people and look what they're doing with the world. The worst. They're messing it up. He left the parish under strange circumstances <laughs> and came to say goodbye and said to my mum, can I take the little one out to say goodbye? And she said, yeah, I'll get their coats. And he went, no, no, just the little one. That was me. And um, I was nine and I got in his Morris mind and we went off to the Brickhill Woods and I have no recollection at all other than when I came back, I had a 10 shilling note, pre-decimalization, obviously. And um, I went back in and said, I've got a 10 shilling note. And my mum said, why? And I said, I don't know. Well, I'll tell you what, at least he paid for it, which most of them didn't. <laughs> so people not the Catholic Church, right? <laughs> That's very, very funny. <laughs> and I did try, when I was writing this bookmark, I did try and find out what happened to him. Father O'Leary, because I wanted to find out, you know, the rest of his life. This is some years ago, this is 50 years ago. And um, Omerta, you know, the Catholic Church closes you down. So I rang mm. the bishop of the diocese and I rang this person, I rang that person. And I would be left, oh, yes, I'll just go and get Father Blah Blah. And then I'd just be left hanging on the phone. Nobody Jeez. would come back to me. It was really odd. But anyway, you know, I'm not the only person. Who would have thought we were the Catholic Church? I know, who knew, right? 
The one people you can trust. (laughs) (laughs) At least he paid for it. It's my absolutely favourite thing (laughs) of today. (laughs) It goes without saying that I find the behaviour of the the Catholic diocese in your – that you're referring to as questionable at least. Me too. But, you mm. know, it, times were different then, Mark. So, they were as different we then, weren't and, they? Now, you, know, guys, they were you different can't fucking and things fiddle with no What a fucking EU coming down on you just for a little bit of priesty fiddling. It's not all about that. There's, about, there's lots of stuff about modern life and so on and how to survive and all of that Have stuff. Have you got a story in there that I remember you telling me many years ago? Oh, yeah. About when you were living in a village and the people in the village wrote, and if I remember rightly, they had complained in some official capacity because you were cycling up the country lane and therefore disturbing the decorum of the village. That does sound very familiar. I was certainly stopped by the police for a 17th century law called furious cycling. They couldn't oh, really. Right. Maybe yeah, it was yeah. that. And it's still, this was when I was doing stand-up, it's still, because um, I thought, why are they stopping me? You know, they pulled me over. And I was thinking, oh, my goodness, maybe they want my help. I'd probably seen some um, burglars. And they said, do you know that you were cycling in a furious fashion? And I said, no, <laughs> I didn't know that. I was quite pleased, actually, because my gig had gone quite well. I do have a bit in the book where I talk about the, you know, early cyclists, early women cyclists. It was terribly frowned upon. I don't want to get you know deep here, but terribly frowned upon by the clergy and you know society as a whole, which was male, obviously. And there was a thing called cycle face that they said you would get, and because they were worried about onanism, you know, getting pleasure from the saddle. And cycle face was a very pointy nose and pinched features, very much like the Wicked Witch of the West in The Wizard of Oz. And that was cycle face. And um, it caused internal damage to, basically they were worried that you wouldn't be able to have children, you would get pleasure from the saddle, and um, that you would, you know, somehow the independence of being at wheel would make you um, uncontrollable. I mean, the suffragettes uh, adopted the bicycle. They were early adopters because they could you oh, know, lobbed bombs. They lobbed bombs. They down here From in Hastings. Points. They burnt down one yes. of the councillors' uh, houses and a part of the pier. Oh, I didn't know that. On bikes to make their getaway. Yeah, and French resistance. I mean, I looked into all of this. I did this as a subject for the celebrity mastermind. Stupid. Um, oh, how brilliant! It, the French resistance women would be on bicycles. Um, you know, delivering well, whatever. I suppose they would be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was. <laughs> You know, bravo to those early adopters because I remember sort of seeing in in uh, the Battleship Potemkin film uh, the Bolsheviks have cycle battalions, and that's quite a crucial moment in the Russian Revolution, according to um, uh, of nineteen oh five. That was about Battleship Potemkin. That, but the yeah. cycle battalions were pretty. I don't know whether that's true, but that's I didn't, certainly. I didn't really go down the Russian, it, yeah. the Russian route in my research, but certainly. Uh, you know, the the reason one of the reasons as well they didn't like women on bicycles were because of the uh, the dress. If you were you, ha- they had invented special pulleys for mm. your dresses because it was obviously long dresses. Oh, you they could, don't want that riding no, up. And then um, Amelia Bloomer invented insert the answer there the Bloomer so that women could be at wheel with modesty still intact. So the the Bloomer owes its existence to women cyclists. Yeah. How amazing. 
That's absolutely marvellous. All right. I, I don't think we're going to top that on this discussion. No. Uh, other than to say, what's the book called Bumps, again? Bumps in the-, in the Road. That's my dog just telling you what the book is called. Bumps in Excellent. the Road. And it was out on the 17th of November. <laughs> so hot off the shelves now if you wish to purchase it. And I think there's still tickets left for the Fortune Theatre. don't know when this goes out, Mark. Fortune Theatre on the 10th of December. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be happy for Where then. Graham Norton, my chum on um, Virgin Radio, mm-hmm. is going to interview me. Okay, about this book. About my book, yes. Maria McClellan, what a pleasure it has been to have you on here from all the way from Jolly Hastings, where, you as we know. You've made me laugh a lot, and whatever is going on in your body, you've, you're have you conquering that with your humour well, and making me that. wheeze with my bad chest infection. No, it's not as bad as cancer, but there you yeah, are. Why, it's, all it's, it's all been about me, isn't it? We should really talk about your bad chest infection. Enough, enough shut up. I'm on steroids. <laughs> I fully expect to be Miss Universe by the end of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Maria McCurlow, ladies and gentlemen, now we know what the fuck is going on. Yay! It's getting worse, that's what. If you would like to hear more of that interview with Maria, you can join us on Patreon, where there is an extended version available. And it is indeed thanks to our wonderful, virtuous, radiant, perfect, philosophically perfect Patreon supporters that we can continue our quest to find out what the fuck is going on. And uh, I've been told we are getting very close. Just follow the link on our Twitter page, or go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on. And for as little as £2 a month, you will get early access to ad-free, ad-free versions of the regular episodes. Or if you really want to know in an advanced sense what is going on, for just £4 a month, you will get a longer ad-free version of the episode with extended versions of the guest interviews with Extra Elliot, and you'll get bonus sketches, for example, this week, There's George Galloway discussing why Taylor Swift is one of his revolutionary heroes. All our Patreon supporters get the episodes on Friday nights, unlike everybody else who has to wait until Saturday morning, just ringing up, I don't know, the Samaritans to just get through the night. So go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on to join the WTF community. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. As you know, we like to get all sorts of views on this podcast, so here once again is the master of gently teasing out opinions, 
like concrete. Right, here we go. Yeah. We got Shirley Shaw on next. She's a grief and trauma counsellor. Oh. So talk about how to deal with mental anguish at Christmas. That's what Christmas is all about, isn't it, Shirley? Well, the rest of us are enjoying tinsel and boozy lunches. You'd rather we were all sitting in a circle sharing stories about our disturbing dreams. <laughs> oh, Mike, I love Christmas as much as all of us. But, you know, so many adults who had issues in their youth, maybe they were bullied at school, they never talk about it, they bottle it up, and it all comes out in later life, especially at Christmas with friends and family all around. Oh, heaven help us. So we liven up Christmas dinner by blubbering how we were called fatty every day by Dickie Bennett in 2BX, do we? Well, it, it can be good to blubber, Mike, and studies have shown that blubbering can enhance the taste of roast potatoes. Yeah, I have one dream where I'm locked in a Blackwall tunnel, surrounded by bats, and they all have the face of Dickie Bennett, and they're screaming, fatty concrete, fatty concrete. You won't catch me ruining Christmas by going on about it. Oh, Mike. Mike, I detect some unresolved issues. Have you never shared these with anyone, Mike? Every morning in 2BX, him and his mates, they'd lock me in a cupboard and say, this might squash your fat away, fatty concrete. I didn't make a fuss because I'm British. I'm proud of it. Oh, my darling. And there was no one to unburden that terrible trauma to. I told you I was brought up English, not French. I did the manly thing. I sat in the attic, cutting me arm with garden shears. Spirit of Dunkirk. Oh, Mike, let it all out, sweetheart. Let it all out. You don't think I'm fat, dear? No, darling. I see a beautiful, empathic soul who no longer wants to scream, <gasps> no, it isn't, when he knows it is, as a defence mechanism against the memory of being called fatty as a child. I was never called fatty as a child. Oh, but you were, Mike. You were. No, I wasn't. That's enough of that, idiot. What man would ever want to shag that? No wonder the Greeks want their marbles back. Here's Tyson Fury with today's motorway closures. Podcastees of the WTF community, it has come to the time of the week where you can settle down, pour yourself a malt whiskey, and prepare for the announcements, the weekly announcements that will begin to take over the world. There are now more announcements on trains than there are than there is time to make the announcements. Soon trains will stop in stations for 11 or 12 minutes, even if there's not a signal failure, just so that they can complete the announcements of every field that you're going past. And that's as it should be. And here are this week's podcast announcements. I um, uh, there's a new series of uh, Mark Seals in Town being made. I don't know when it's, it's supposed to be going out next June, so we'll aim at uh, aim at that. But I've got to go around all these. But I've gone to Margate and Stoke. There's an announcement. I should be going to Stoke on Trent. Perfect, an absolutely perfect place, and also idyllic. And of course, there will be people going. Oh, isn't that typical of the BBC sending Mark Steele at licence payers' expense to? glorious idyllic resorts such as Stoke 
oh, he makes out he's a man of the people, but there he'll be, going past the shut-down shops in the precincts of Stoke, all at our expense. And you've got a point if you're complaining like that. Also, I have to say, people have been getting in touch with us on our Patreon account, as well as on Twitter, wanting to know what the fuck is going on with certain things. Louise Keane, one of our Patreon supporters, asked this question. My question is about the royal family in light of more tedious waffle being published about them in a new book. I know most of us think they should be abolished. That's probably wishful thinking, Louise. But surely if they, they are worth as much as we are told they are, should they just be privatised? And they can all go out to tender like the railways. That's a marvellous idea. And then we can be entertained by the royal family. We can turn up if we are wanting to hear the royal family. You can turn up at an event and there will be an announcement over a megaphone that you can barely hear that goes, we apologise for the late running Queen Camilla in opening the new footbridge over the M6 at Penrith. This is due to regal failure. We do apologise for any inconvenience. And everyone will go, oh, that's a bloody was Fucking every day, every day. I was waiting for Viscount Montgomery last week, two and a half hours. Three Viscounts went the other way. And there'll be, oh, you're right, there'll be more expensive and we'll all get a bill for an extra £65 a month for Prince Edward and they'll blame it on the war in Ukraine. And if you book a right if you want to go and see the royals they'll go oh no uh um, no <laughs> now to see zara phillips she's on the west coast royals now so that we can't sell you a ticket for that we could yeah we can sell you one for lord snowden who i'm not sure is still alive but uh yeah well no that, that's a different thing and there's no you know you won't be able to get a coffee if you're waiting for zara phillips love no no, because well, they all get yeah. No, they all get stopped. You see, down in in Cornwall, the Duke of Cornwall, they they take all the coffees, and uh, there'll be announcements all over the country. Uh, well, you'll be, you'll be you'll turn up to see a royal, and then, oh no, oh fuck! Do you know what? I had a fucking nightmare. I was supposed to be seeing Princess Anne. And we uh, there was a we apologise uh, that Princess Anne has terminated her royal engagements at Haywood's Heath, and then you'll all have to go out into a car park where there will be a replacement princess service, which will be Brian who works at own base, uh, and he'll go. Yeah, you've still got a curtsy. I, I know I'm not, but I'm yeah, but I, I fucking work at own base. They've sent me out here for half an hour. I'm not, I'm not fucking, I'm not opening this new stretch of uh, the, the A23 unless you curtsy. I think it's an excellent idea, Louise. Mike Hobbs on Patreon says, Mark, cracking episode in particular, a conversation with Sally Ann Haywood about self-checkouts, which has inspired me to ask the following. What the fuck is going on with self-bag drop introduced at T5 by British Airways. Again, I wasn't aware of this. Thank you for enlightening me, Mike. If any bag is even a fraction of a kilo overweight, even if you brought fewer bags than the allowance, they won't override and put the bag through, meaning you have to unpack and repack in the terminal. Well, I know, I don't fly all that often, but this is one of the reasons. It's so stressful. <laughs> I mean, I do sort of, there is a bit of me that thinks if you're going a long way, all these little things, you are still getting from like London to America in a time that a hundred years ago 
would have taken you nine months. So I still sort of think all these things sort of, I remember one, I've said this before, but I remember once being on a plane, just as we were about to take off from Barbados, coming back to London, uh, the pilot said, we uh be due to um, a change in the expected uh, direction of the wind. We will be landing at London Gatwick approximately 10 minutes later than scheduled. And the bloke next to me went, oh, for God's sake, typical. <laughs> Oh my god, typical. Isn't it typical that every time you go from Barbados to London, the wind changes direction and you get oh, now I'm gonna miss the start of cash in the attic. So I'm sort of sympathetic, but I know that generally at play at, at, at airports, they want you to do more and more of it yourself, self-check-in for your convenience, which means you then have to spend about an hour and a half online telling them all your details and everything for your convenience so that they can sack some more people at the airport. And now you have to do this with your bags. I understand that is annoying. And soon they'll be self. For your convenience, this airport is now a self-stewardess airport. So you'll you'll get on and you'll have to check it yourself and you'll have to ask yourself if you're a terrorist. And um, then and then there'll be uh, give it ten years, and it'll be a self pilot airport, and you'll just learn to fly the plane at the airport, and this will all be for your convenience because on the off chance that you do land the plane on the runway rather than in the middle of the Pacific, you will get to Thailand uh, eight minutes earlier. So uh, you sort of have my sympathy, Mike. That's what I think is what the fuck is going on, and you'll be and there'll be adverts that you know there will be. That's coming. I'm surprised it's not already happened that the pilot doesn't go, thank you for boarding this um, morning flight from London Heathrow to Ankara in Turkey. We would uh, remind you that if you do have a plane of your own and you wish to sell it, then you can do so on webuyanyplane.com. That's weply, webuyanyplane.com. No matter how broken you think the plane is, uh, we're sure that someone, Russian Airways or someone of that nature, we will sell it to them. And uh, even if, if there's no engine, don't worry. And we buy anyplane.com. It's coming. Oh, what the fuck is going on? Now, anybody who's listened to this podcast, anyone who's tried it themselves, and I really would advise against working out what the fuck is going on by yourself at home. It's it's really best left to experts. But one of the expert bits of advice, you know, is that you can't do it without the voice of people who are 27. And that's why we are lucky to be blessed by someone specially bred for the purpose 27 years ago, Elliot Steele. Hello. 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 So we're now probably, I don't know, who knows, in all likelihood about a year away, I guess, maybe slightly less, maybe slightly more from a general election. Who are you as representative of 27-year-olds or just representative of yourself? Who are you going to vote for? Uh, I'm not going to answer that question. Oh. I, I don't think, I don't think, uh, I think voting is something quite personal and you shouldn't, you, you don't have to disclose that. I think oh. it's, I think it's, it's a, you know. That's very old fashioned. My mum and dad were like that. That all you shouldn't know. I don't tell people who have because it was all because it would all because it creates an argument. That's what they didn't like about it. Well, it it does create an argument, and also that's a good thing, though, isn't it? Well, no, because whoever I say, 
I'm going to get a tweet of some fucking person who can't even be bothered to have a picture of themselves as their avatar, so I can't fire back at them because they're obviously ugly. And like that's that's annoying. That's oh, what's annoying. These, yeah. That's what annoys me about social media. I love I, I love Arsenal more than my own kids. Two, three, four. Yeah, sends me a thing, and it's like <laughs> you're obviously an obese man, and you know I'm going to bring that up in my rebuttal, and you've 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 counteracted that mm. by not having a picture of yourself. But maybe every now and then they do have a picture of their kids and you have to decide, am I going to... There is a target, but, you know, I'm like the mafia. I believe you leave the wives and the children out of it. It should be... It should be That's it should a be. very, very uh, convoluted reason for not telling people who you're going to vote for. No, I, don't, I just don't think... Like, when now that I'm more slightly in the public eye, I could come out and say, I don't really focus on who I'm voting for until four days before the election oh you're one of them um, people well yeah because it's like you know it's it's all sort of you just well, we know who you're not voting for who are you not it's, voting look for? it's not it's like the, it's like christmas in it i 24th of december i start i go oh fuck i better get some things and i then work out what i'm gonna do but i'm not look i'm not gonna vote conservative go but i'm not gonna vote labor either okay so what's upset you with Labour? They're not. They're not an opposition, right? They're not an opposition. It's like the Conservatives are a football team who scored an own goal, and Labour have then gone and also scored an own goal in terms of like, oh well, it's we should also be scoring own goals because they score own goals. And you go, no, attack them. They've scored <laughs> an own goal. Their back four is arguing with each other. Their, their person in the Makaleli position has just walked off the pitch. They literally have no CDM attack, and they go, oh, well, I think we should also get rid of our CDM. And you go, what the fuck are you doing? And that's, that's and like Keir Starmer just goes out and, you know, basically goes, yeah, I think it's all right for Israel to blow up a Palestinian school. And then when people go, I don't think it is, he tweets a picture of him with Gunnosaurus and goes, hey, I'm one of the lads. That's not what the fuck. Why the fuck would I vote for that? Well, Keir Starmer probably thinks Gunnosaurus is one of the IDF, and that's why he's gone and got a photograph with it. Do you want to just tell the listeners who might not know who Gunnosaurus is who Gunnosaurus is? Uh, Gunnosaurus is a uh, is a war criminal <laughs> from the Arsenal football team. was <laughs> <laughs> Gunnosaurus is Soldier F. That's who Gunnosaurus is. Gonosaurus is a war criminal mascot used by used by a military football team. That's who Gonosaurus <laughs> is. And and Keir Star I didn't know Keir Starmer had had a picture with Gonosaurus. He has a picture with Gonosaurus. Jeremy Corbyn gets pictures with Hamas. Keir Starmer <laughs> gets pictures with Gonosaurus. And does he does he try, does he try the that's same the thing? That's the last two levers of the Labour Party. <laughs> I didn't. I wasn't aware themselves. at the time of some of the political views of Gunnosaurus, uh, and that I wouldn't necessarily want it to be associated with. But I do think that we should hear all voices, and I do also feel that Gunnosaurus is someone who we need to speak to if we're going to have peace with Tottenham. And for those reasons, and I know that I did lay a wreath presented by Gunnosaurus, I had no idea. Mr. Co will you condemn Gunnosaurus? <laughs>
So, yeah, so I wouldn't, I'm not going to vote for, look, the Conservatives are meant to be evil. That's their, that's their. It's in their constitution. It's in their constitution. They're meant to, they're meant to come out. Our leader will be selected by a combination of the votes of the MPs and the party members. We will strive to field candidates in all constituencies at a general election, as well as maintaining local services wherever elected as possible, and we will be evil. Yes, that's exactly that's on the little card. In that's the- that's what they do. They come out <laughs> and they go, "We're going to be evil," but some of you quite like that, and that's the and that's that's fair. That I think that's fine. That's fine to vote for that. I'm not one of these people. I don't think there's anything worse than when people go, "Oh, I'd never kiss a Tory," or "No, I'd." There's no discourse. There's this. Have it, you ever kissed a Tory? Yeah. Well, they have they, you? They, yeah. Well, they. Oh. I, I hate to say. It. I say, I hate to say it. They got hot women. Oh, well, don't be so daft. Well, let's 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 be honest. Like we, the, the, the Tories are better looking than us lefties. The, the right, they are. They've got better looking people. We and we just. What look, are you talking about? It's not. It's not a beauty contest. But if it was, they would win. Bob Monkhouse, who I got to know in the last year oh, of his life. fucking Brad Pitt himself. Well, oh, well. If, no, no, if, no, listen. Bob Monkhouse wasn't on the left. He was at the was 19... Was he not? No, good. No, no, no. He was in... Uh, Bob Monkhouse was uh, at the Margaret Thatcher's uh, election rally in 1983, oh, wow. which I think was ill-advised on his part for publicity reasons and uh, as well as political ones. But he... Uh, me and him sort of got to know each other in the last year of his life. And he came, I was, ama- it was an amazing moment for me because he walked over to me in television centre when I was making the lecture series. And he just, I thought, oh my God, Bob Munkus is coming over. And his opening line, and I credit him with this, he said, uh, hello, I'm a, a fan of your work and everything and I've uh, read your book. And he said, I know what you're thinking. Why was I at the, that uh, election rally in 1983? And you wouldn't approve, but I, I have to tell you, there was nothing I could do about it. I was just sexually attracted to Margaret Thatcher. And... <laughs> And then we got on all right. He'd explained himself. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's the level of corruption with this Conservative Party, and it feels like it feels like the, they can hear the police sirens, and they're in the bank vault, and they're getting whatever they can. <laughs> and that's what's happening now. I was with I was with our, our agent yesterday, and I said that it reminds me. And I've said a number of times. Mm. I think the Tories are in a position where. It reminds me of when I was at the comedy store, and I've said this before, mm. and you sometimes get a new act on, and they've lost the room, and the other comics are go, oh, you can see it, the comic's eyes have gone, their yeah. mouth's dry, there's nothing they can say, it's gone, the room's starting to chatter, they could come out with the best joke in the world, it doesn't matter, the audience decide they, they don't like them, and they're going to be booed off in a minute, and... Uh, Damon, who works in the agency, said, yeah, that's right, Mark, except the only thing is the comics mate is at the back emptying out the till. (laughs) 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 Taking all the comedy store's takings before the comic gets kicked off. That's exactly yeah. That's exactly what that's exactly what's happening. And 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 then the next Comic Con is going to be doing the same thing, but just (laughs) just jokes. Oh, I'm sorry that that didn't work, and then continue doing. It's not. It's just so yeah. Go and vote Labour and waste your vote. I don't think it's wasted. Every vote vote is a wasted vote because you're voting for something within a system. If if you were to have a true. Democratic political 
system, someone else would be coming out going, hey, this version of late stage capitalism that we're in is eating itself. We have the entire financial market in this country is based on housing, which currently is kept afloat because we loan the money to a ridiculous rate in the capital by selling overpriced flats to Chinese and Russian oligarchs who then launder their money through that in case their government ever want to take an asset. And that is the base of our financial system. That doesn't seem like a very good idea. Then they, then, the, then you get called a communist. That's, yeah. that's what happens. If you come out and go, I don't think that 1% of people should be controlling the amount of wealth within this country, someone goes, well, 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 isn't it fucking Joseph Stalin? <laughs> and you go, and you go, no, that's not, that's, 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 that's yeah. just a very obvious, that, that's not left wing to admit that. No. That's, and, and in a, yeah, of course. But, uh, in, in Europe now, the, the, the opposition to that, the opposition to that clearly appalling state of affairs seems to come from people who blame the immigrants and so on. I mean, you know, not I can't imagine everybody listening to this podcast follows, say, the Dutch elections with the strange uh, um, obsession that I have. But that's but this absolute mental person who is clearly some way more deranged than Farage is now leader of the uh, one more votes than anyone else in Holland and the same has happened in a number of other places as well because well, you you do you do it, it is like again mass immigration is going to be a problem on their things and should be talked about but it doesn't it's being used as the central problem and 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 it's being made out that it's a new thing the main thing to say about this mass immigration is like, hey, maybe we should stop allowing Raytheon and Lockheed Martin selling weapons to someone who wants to ethnically cleanse an area and then does that and these people go, fuck, we've got to leave our homes and then they have to move to a completely different society and culture and some of them don't want to. And, so, and you go, that would be the way to stop that. You know but what's going to happen as a result of this? You'll get people going, why don't you stand? You stand, Elliot. We'll vote I've for you because I, with your Raytheon and your, and your comments about blaming it on a dinghy and your, and well, your housing market and selling would, it to the Chinese and Russians. Why don't you stand? I'll tell you why I don't stand, because I would end up working with Raytheon to make myself money. I would. That's what would happen. <laughs> like that's, I would end up, I'd say all of those things, and then Raytheon would go, Listen, we'll give you like, we'll do a deal, right? You go do some speeches after you've been in an election. You wash your money that way. And we'll give you like 700,000 grand a speech. And you just let us sell our weapons to Bashir al-Assad. Well, I'll tell you all you'll annoy then. It'll be Tony Blair because you'll be stepping on his patch. What I'd also do to launder my money after I've done that is start a podcast where I go, oh, well, you know, yeah, I, I did, you know, uh, that's the result of my media lies. I did kill a million Iraqis. But anyway, sign up to this website and enter in one million Iraqis if you want 20% off uh, this subscription service. And then everyone just forgives you. That's just, just what happens in society. <laughs> there you go. That's who he's going to vote. I asked him if he was going to vote for. I thought he was going to say the Green Party, but instead we got that. Thank you very much, Elliot Steele. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, rate it. And if you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, definitely write a review. 
write it in a series of languages that you've never learned Bulgarian, learn Finno Ugric or whatever it's called. And if there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod and we will look at every message that you send. If you would like to become a WTF supporter for as little as £2, £2 a month and get early access to ad free and extended versions, please visit our Patreon page. What the fuck is going on? Was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Maria McCurlane and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander and Maria McCurlane. It was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. The music was by Willie Dowling. It was produced by Mike Benwell at Carousel Studios. What the fuck is going on? Was brought to you by WTF Productions. <laughs>